right, here we go with Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much for listening, as always, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. But without further ado, let me get my guys in here, the NBA outsiders themselves. First and foremost, John Lucas Duffy. What's up, brother? Hear that, Frank? I'm first. I'm first, Frank. What's up, Pete? Last but not least, <laughs> Frank, Frank Villani. But not first. But, but not least, and what I heard was first and foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> he went wood. Uh, I'd rather be in my position. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Didn't expect that turn to take uh, take place so early on in this podcast, but here we are on the SBMY podcast. First and foreskin aside, we have a lot of NBA stuff to talk about as we do on this podcast. We're going to talk about a, cu- a couple different teams, actually, a bunch of teams. Uh, we did contenders last week. We talked about this final stretch of the season, who it's most important for, what do we expect, and what do we think the seeding or how is it going to play out and all this stuff. This, this week, we're going to take a little bit of a different route. It is coming towards the end of the season, but we cannot forget about the preseason and the takes that we took on... Uh, during our over-under podcast that we thought were very strong at the time. We thought we were getting stuff right. We were going to crush these over-unders, but today's a day where we expose ourselves. We're going preseason takes exposed, which isn't always a bad thing because we got some things right, and we're going to do some humble brags. That's cool. We like humble brags every once in a while, but we also got to call ourselves out, keep ourselves accountable for the stuff that we messed up on. How does that sound, guys? I think it sounds pretty good. I mean, I can say personally, I definitely walked out of that preseason, you know, little prediction pod with my chest puffed out a little bit. And uh, I'm feeling the effects of that today, looking back on it for sure. Yeah, I believe I, I believe you were the leader last year. You had the best record from the previous season. So we were hyping you up. We're like, all right, maybe Frank's the guy to follow on yeah. these over-unders. Uh, today on this podcast, we will see if that was a good call or a bad call. Duff, what do you think? I've been trying to put this pot off all season long. <laughs> You'll hear why. <laughs> Very good. Um, well, I guess there's a no better place to start than with your boy. I'll take accountability off the bat, off the jump, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call myself out. I think it would be really rude of me to start off with a humble brag, but I will get there. I will get to the <laughs> humble brag. But first things first, I have to say I made a statement, and there's certain statements you say on this podcast that stick out when you're talking, when you do an hour or two hours every single week, you, you mostly forget the ins and outs of specifics, what you say, right? This line stuck with me because it was a strong thing to say, guys. It was very strong. It was about the Portland trailblazers. Now, if you remember this and you're listening to this podcast, you're like, yes, this idiot. So wrong. Kudos to you for remembering that, but I'm sure you don't, but I do. I sit with it every day of my life. I said this statement, the Portland trailblazers, are the San Antonio Spurs without the championships. And that's why I locked in there over and why I assumed with great faith that they would be in the playoffs yet again because that's what Dame and CJ do. They win games in the regular season. Well, a mellow Anthony later and a Hassan Whiteside later, they are not in the playoffs. It's not looking that great. And they are most definitely not the Spurs without the championships. So preseason, preseason take exposed, number one for your boy. I'll eat this one. You were kind of – you were you were wrong but also right when you compared them to the Spurs who are also just just like – that. you were one year too, too late on this take. 
One year too late. Yeah, I needed that one last year because then when they snuck their way to the Western Conference Finals, I'm like, look, I told y'all, the Spurs without the rings. Same thing. They just keep winning, keep winning, can't lose, can't lose. Uh, no, they lose often. They're like 10 games under 500 right now, and uh, we'll have to go on a pretty insane run to catch the likes of the Mavericks or the Grizzlies or even keep up with the pace of the Pelicans at this point. Uh, it's not looking great for the Portland Trailblazers. Actually, they're, they're, they're only point, they're seven. Right there. They're right there with the Spurs. They're true. right there with the Spurs. Honestly, true. They have basically the same record as the Spurs right now, only a half game apart. But they're seven games under 500, and uh, it's not looking great. But do do they have a chance? Like, do you see the Blazers now with Dame and, and CJ and Melo and these guys and think they could catch the Grizzlies who they're four games back on? Or is it just is it just a lost cause right now? I would be more confident in the Pelicans jumping over both those teams. Not Now they pretty much have the same record anyway, but I just... You know, Dame's out right now. Maybe they get Nurkic back. Maybe they make a push. But, like, I, at this point, it's like, I don't know. Why Why are you going to, you know, force Nurkic back and rush it? Just, like, sit him out the whole season and just chalk this up as a loss. Like, if you limp in as the eight seed, you're getting five games and out in the first round. You know? Like, I don't know. What's the point? Just take a lottery pick. <laughs> What's the point? I mean, my question is, if you're a team like the Lakers or the Nuggets – or even the Clippers, whatever, any of those teams in like the top three, is Portland a team that you'd let like less rather face than Memphis or than Dallas or than the Pelicans for that matter? Like where do they rank in those teams that are in the seven through twelve range on power rankings of who teams would not want to face? I think it's pretty equal. Just like I don't know, playoff Dame has definitely had moments and I mean, he's hit, like, two game winners that stick in my mind for series, not just games. So, I mean. Dame's definitely the player that scares you most, but I don't know. Yeah, if the but I don't know about the team. team. Like, yeah. I think the team. Pelicans. Like, I think, yeah, I think the Pelicans and the Grizzlies I'd put on the same level because, like, I think John Morant has that special quality to him. Like, you know, when the lights are the brightest, he'll be the brightest as well. Kind of like Dame, kind of like Zion. Um. Yeah, that's, it's tough to have any deviations there, though. I think yeah. they're all pretty equal. And for the Lakers specifically, the Pelicans are the team I wouldn't want to face because it's just so there's just so much uh, like baggage there with all the players they traded away, and then they get Zion, and it's just if you're for, talk about first round matchups, that's just like not you're playing against a younger team that likes to play fast, and it's just like it becomes physically and mentally taxing to answer all those questions about just the history between ad and new orleans and all yeah. that stuff that's a good point like playoffs are intense enough and, and i think the lakers beat really... four of those teams pretty easily yeah, yeah. You, but you don't need like the additional drive given to the other players on the other team because they were traded for you know whatever and the other guy didn't want to be there so i feel that's a good point my only question now about them but we'll move off the blazers in a second um Hassan Whiteside is a guy who's the butt of many jokes based off of, you know, his seemingly empty stats, right? He seems like a guy who's going to get a double-double. He's going to put in some points. He'll make a couple good blocks, and it just doesn't really matter. It doesn't affect the game. He's kind of a clown. But the advanced statistics really love him. They really, really do. Um, Would it be kind to him to 
take a lesser role and play less minutes and like be like maybe super effective in a small amount of time if Nurkic comes back? Or can we just like wipe Hassan Whiteside off the face of the NBA and not really worry about him as a, a winning player anymore? I think, I, I I think he, out here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I see both ends of the coin, but I mean, I feel like his biggest weakness is playing at the end of games. Right. These teams will just, you know, foul him. And if you got a guy like Nurkic where teams can't do that and you can shelter him, like a lot of guys can be good if you can shelter their positions that you put him in. And I don't think he's much different in that aspect. Yeah, and it's just it's just a weird thing. It's like his stats are really good. Even the advanced metrics really like him. Obviously, he only really shoots near the hoop. A couple of random threes he'll take, but efficient. His PER is good. His win shares on basketball reference are good. Like all these things, if you just looked at him straight up numbers, like, yeah, I'd love to have that guy as my starting center. But then you watch them and something's just always missing with him. Um, but yeah, you know, Dame Lillard, another fantastic season, 29 points, eight assists, like really good shooting efficiency. Uh, he's just, he's, he's so freaking good that he deserves all the love. And he's been on, I think like three or four straight MVP ballots, obviously not ever top two or three even, but been on the ballot, which is really good for him, but just can't, can't get off the schneid this year with this team with Carmelo Anthony being, you know, their third most important player, fourth most important player. Rodney Hood went down with the injury, not a great time for the Portland trailblazers, but that's enough on them. So, uh, Duff, why don't you take us next to your, First preseason take exposed. I'll give you the option to go good or bad for you. Well, I was going to do the tandem. I was going to do two as the, uh, th- there's a couple together. Yeah, there's a good and a bad, but I think I kind of, I kind of like flipped them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You, so, I think you got them both right and both wrong, if that makes sense, but we'll discuss. Yeah. So I said that the, the Pelicans, I had them on an over and their win total was, their preseason was like 39 and a half. They're currently at 24, so they're not going to make it. Um, but, but they, I, I thought that they were going to make the playoffs, so that was my goal for them. And that's still, like we just talked about, pretty realistic. Um, maybe not probable, but realistic. Uh, and then I had the Mavericks at an under 40.5 win total, which looks really bad and looked really bad right away. Um, <laughs> I, my, yeah, I believe they defense, started 17-7, and seven, right? In my yeah, in my defense, I was basically harping on the Ma- the Mavericks defensively and saying like, I don't know who they could pot like I, I don't I don't know if they were going to be able to stop anyone. Their defense can be really bad. They they have the 18th ranked defense in the NBA. Every single team behind them is not in the playoff picture, like at all. And then the two teams in front of them are the Phoenix Suns, who aren't going to make the playoffs, and the Memphis Grizzlies, who are the eighth seed. They might make the playoffs. They also have uh, more teams in front of them, the Bulls, the Magic, and the Nets. So it's like not – It's the defense isn't good. What I wasn't counting on is their offensive rating, which is the best in the NBA. So that one I did not see coming. Like I'm talking in terms of offensive rating, it's three points higher than the Rockets, it's three points higher than the Bucks, three points higher than the Lakers. They are really – have been the best offensive team in the NBA for the whole season, right? They've, I don't think they've been lower than third since the season started. So that was something I was not anticipating for Luka Doncic to just be James Harden. Um, I thought he was going to be yeah. good, but it, it was just absurd, like off the bat, which is like, honestly, I'm really happy to be wrong about that. 
and I'm sure everyone else is happy I was wrong about that too. So, <laughs> you know, hand up, hand up on that one. But wait, uh, honestly, even their point differential, like t- from a team level, is plus six. That's best. That's the second best one in the Western Conference. That's yeah. the second best point differential in the Western Conference. I think fourth or fifth in the entire NBA. So even just based off that, it is cr- dude. Like it's crazy because it, we we want to say like, oh, it's just Luca, like. It's all him, and that's it. Yeah. But it's this entire team. They really play really well together. Porzingis uh, isn't, he's you know. He's like three weeks of the season yeah. for injury, like, you know, total. He's been hurt in and out of the lineup a little bit, but he's averaging 18 points, nine rebounds, blocking shots. Like, he's doing a, a lot of the things we liked about Porzingis. He's able to do on a lesser role, which is important for him because we all kind of knew he, 1A wasn't his thing, right? 1B or a 2 is his thing. Um, but Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been like solid 15 points a game. He's their third leading scorer. Yeah, total he's, redemption on his contract. Yeah, he's shooting 40% for sure. from three. He's always been a good player. It was just a contract that was like, and it's like, why are you going to give him fat money to be on a bad team? Like, didn't make sense. Like, so that was always kind of the thing that was tied to him. Now he's he's producing in a, on a, for a team that matters. Yeah, yep. and he's 40% from three. I mean, yeah, it was always the contract with him with the Knicks. He was making too much money for what he could be. But he also was, like, you know, kind of inconsistent shooter. He'd get really hot. He'd take heat checks. He didn't do a lot other than shoot. But playing with a team with this real superstar, with a real coach who has a system, guys like Tim Hardaway, Seth Curry, uh, unfortunately Dwight Powell got hurt and is out for the year, but he was really solid. Even the guys like... It was really important to them. Yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba. Like, these guys are all professionals who do the right stuff. Yeah. Like, for not real, only, though. Not only drilling threes, but he is, like, a legit rim runner. He's caught a ton of, like, really sick lobs from Luka this year. He's a big dude. Like, he's a big mother effort, man. For real. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think you should wear that one too hard in the face stuff. I think the Mavs thing, you were trying to yeah, just be cautious. like I said, I'm happy cautious. to be wrong about it. Yeah, you were trying to be cautious because people were, you know, overhyping a little bit on them. Not as much as they were with the Pelicans, but people were overhyping them a little bit. And I still think in the power rankings of the Western Conference, you know, you put them behind pretty much everyone above them, including the Thunder, in my opinion. But we'll we'll get to the Thunder in a little bit. So, yeah, not bad. I do think you were kind of right and kind of wrong on both the Mavericks and the Pelicans. So, shout out to you. I reverse jinx. You're welcome, everyone. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, Frank, why don't you take us to your first one? Uh, so, do you think I should do my good or my bad? Because my bad is bad. Like, We're all doing bads. Yeah, right. start, start off with a bad one. This is like, this, this is probably legendarily bad for how short a time it's been and everything. But um, <laughs> hand up, you know, hand up on this one. Uh, preseason and the preseason pod, I I don't remember if I picked under or over for the Celtics, but uh, kind of like Pete said, you remember what you say, um, not necessarily what you choose. And I said that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were, were busts. He went what? I, I believe the I believe the exact terminology I use is fraud. He went what? Yeah. He went what? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you said uh, fraud. You definitely called them both frauds. Yeah. The F word. So yeah, it's bad. <laughs> I'll hand up on that one. Uh I mean I will admit to saying it like kind of tongue in cheek. Um, but you know. I mean, Jalen Brown has been kind of Jalen Brown still this year. He's taking a small step forward, if any. That's what he's been doing year over year, though. It's just taking small steps forward. I feel like his biggest leap was year one to year two. 
and even when he got to year two, he still wasn't what he is now. You know what I mean? Like every year he's been incrementally better. Yeah, he, he seems to add a, like one or two things to his game each year, which is um, it's admirable. But I guess I was just yearning for more progress from a younger player at a quicker pace because it kind of has like all the physical tools to be one of those guys, you know. And then Jason Tatum last year was just so frustrating and the way he refused to do what he was the best at doing, which is, you know, running towards the rim, using his length and, you know, finishing through contact, which is something he's continued to do this year. And I'm pretty sure he does it at a higher pace. He drives more often than he did last year, but he's also just shooting better, which is obviously, you know, something you want to see from a younger player, but, uh, just today, to be, early Sunday. To be game. fair, like they, they were, uh, they, they kind of had like that stink on them, just like the last season Celtics stink, where everyone was just so unhappy with how they were performing. Yeah, and I think, uh, and uh, whether it's fair or unfair, but I know a lot of people like to throw shade at Kyrie in Boston. Like, look what happened once he left; these guys took that step forward. But I really don't think that it's too crazy of a take. Um, having guys like, like, like. Kyrie or James Harden or even Russell Westbrook, guys who just have the ball in their hand a lot and just, like, you can count any number of possessions in a game where they just dribble for more than half of the shot clock. Like, it's got to be it's got to be tough to play on a team with guys like that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Let, let me give you a number, Frank, by the way, on Jason Tatum. You said he's been driving more, and that's what, you know, he needed to do, stick to his bread and butter. I remember last year I was freaking out on this, on this subject because I was like, He's taking more mid-range shots when everybody in the league is saying, stop taking mid-range shots, take more threes, and you're a good three-point shooter, and also get to the free-throw line, and you can do that, but you're not. So this year, he's actually drawn more fouls to this point in 51 games than he did in 79 games last year. So he is getting to the line at a much higher rate. His on-off is like five points higher than it was last year. Uh, So he's he's really taking a step up. And on Jalen Brown front, uh, you said a slight step. He is seven points higher, 20 points a game now, and obviously he's getting more shots because there's less mouths to feed now in Boston, which we all knew was a problem. But he's also uh, 38% from three versus 34 last year and 50% from the field versus 46 last year. So to call that a small step might be an understatement a little bit, but nonetheless, I think when you said they were frauds, you didn't think, oh, yeah, no, they're going to go down to eight points a game out of the league in five years. You were meant like, they're not going to run this team to the championship. They're not going to be able to carry the weight of the Celtics franchise to the promised land like Celtics fans want them to. Yeah. So I, mean, I would say, fraud in their respect, like I didn't think they'd be good enough to carry a team to like a top one or two seed or, right. you know. And they still might not be, right? We don't know yet because we're going to talk about another guy in, in comparison to Jason Tatum in a moment, but you also got to think, the Celtics now, without the Kyrie drama, are back to that system team where they play together, they move the ball, you know, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward playing their roles. Um, no true one superstar, even though Tatum was the all-star, uh, but he's only, you know, 21, 22 points. It's not like he's 29 points a game, you know, like guys like Bradley Beal have to be or uh, Damian Lillard have to be. They're very much a team, and that helps. But, uh, yeah, fraud was probably a little strong. Yeah, for sure. I'll wear that one. Well, from uh, at the beginning of the year, up until like a month ago, he really didn't take that much of a step forward. Jason Tim, he had like 21 points, uh, seven rebounds. He's still only going to the foul line like three or four times a game, shooting 35% from three. 
like 42% from the field, like just not like really not impressive numbers. The mm-hmm. last month he has put up 20, 27 points on seven and a half rebounds, six attempts from the foul line, 44% from three, 48% from the, from the, from the field. And he he's just been like way better in this yeah. past month. Even like if they, if he sustains this through the end of the season and into the playoffs, the Celtics are a completely different team than they were coming into the season. That is an incredibly impressive, like, stat, you know, stat bunch you just rattled off there. Like, that's really, really impressive. That's a stat nugget. Yeah. Those are good nuggets by us there. Totally flipped it. And he's having a steal and a half and a block a game. Yeah, and I feel like just watching the games, I haven't watched them all, uh, like two or three of them, and he seems to have these kind of possessions and back-to-back possessions in each game where he'll have like a contested drive where he winds up finishing over one or two people with like a lot of contact, no foul. Then they go down the court, whatever, come back down. And the next possession, he takes a step back three. Like he dribbles in, doesn't even do a crossover. Just does like a a little step back to the right. And he drilled the three. And I've seen him do it two times in like the past, like I said, like week of games and uh, since we've started back, so I guess the game started Thursday, so these last five days, and um, it's like a swagger move. It's like a heat check, and he's been hitting it. So yeah, it's kind of like a signature for him. I mean, everybody who's like that good, who, who are, where he wants to get to at least, you know, Kawhi, uh, LeBron, Harden, Steph. Everybody has like their shot where they kind of like when they get comfortable, they can find that shot in many different ways. And at any time of the game, uh, Harden obviously step back. LeBron has like that weird fade away where he like fades really, really far. Kawhi to the right baseline, fading to his right, like Steph anywhere behind the three-point line. But you get the point. And Tatum finding that signature move for him is really important because when you're a go-to scorer, you need to have that like comfort zone where you can always get that shot. And he seems to have found it. Um, it's very impressive. But I want to take this conversation to another level here because um, quick shout out to me. I'm the only one who brought, uh, who took the Raptors over this season. So you guys both said under on the Raptors. I believe the number was 46 and a half. I took the over. And that was basically saying, you know, this team was really good last year when Kawhi didn't play. I believe they were 17 and four when Kawhi sat last year. They're going to be able to win games in the regular season. Their test is about the postseason, but I still think they're going to be good. So quick pat on the back for myself, humble brag. How you doing? Um, but Pascal Siakam, speaking of steps. Steph's taken forward. This guy, Spicy P, is doing stuff we did not expect. So when I say Pascal Siakam, age 25, Jason Tatum, age 17, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's still very young. Uh, those Going are, to his middle school graduation, actually. In the <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're very different players, um, but they are a similar position. Is there a style that you gravitate to, Duff? And if so, like, who would you rather go with, and what type of guy would you rather build around, basically? Oh, that's such a tough question because I feel like they're they they play like similar positions, but their games really aren't aren't similar at all. Um, where Tatum just seems to be like more of a finesse guy and and a better shooter, and Pascal is a, a better defender and he's better at attacking the rim. Uh, but their numbers are actually really similar. Um, Man, it gun to my head. Uh, I would have to say, uh, I wouldn't have to say it, but I, I'm going to say Jason Tatum because 
He's he's about eight years younger than Pascal Siakam. Jason Tatum is <laughs> passing driver's test next week. <laughs> he can drive himself to games from now on. Um, he's just he he's younger and. We haven't seen, you know, Pascal Siakam, he won a championship. He was not the guy on the championship team. But there was a time in Jason Tatum's rookie season, which is why things got, you know, everyone was so hyped about him early on because against the Cavs, he was going toe-to-toe with LeBron during the series, and especially in that game seven, like he couldn't finish it. Um, even in the moment, I remember watching that game and he had like 22 points or 20 points. And it was like halfway through the fourth quarter and they were like, wow, what a great performance by him. And he just dunked on LeBron. So he's at like 22 points and it's still like a really tight game. I think they're winning at the time. And I'm like, I was like, all right, he needs to take the ball every single possession. Like he needs to get to like 28, 30 points. The Celtics are going to win this game. And he just didn't realize that, or the team didn't realize that. I don't know what, you know, what was going on with them specifically, but it, it was it was there for him to take in the moment and he and he didn't do it now i think he has he's come to that realization where he's going to have to be the guy that leads them through the playoffs it always comes down to you know some big wing type dude who who can get his own shot whether it's you know attacking the rim taking a three and i know we didn't love like all the mid-range stuff he did last year but you see in the playoffs like that stuff matters. Like LeBron hitting turnaround jumpers in the high post, mid post, that matters. Like Kawhi getting to his spot on the right baseline in the short corner. And, you know, that's he, he shoots like he's the best shooter from that weird location I just described. He's the best shooter in the NBA. But like getting to that type of signature shot, like we're talking about, is, is what differentiates, you know, these stars to superstars that can carry a team through the playoffs. And I don't I don't even have a clue what that would be for Pascal Siakam. Like well, the spin move. The spin move. Yeah. The spin, I know the spin move in transition is what I would say or like when you're attacking the rim the spin move, but like if two guys come at him, he can't spin. Right. Like or and he, he spins he, he, he spins into another guy. Like and also I don't love the spin move in, in certain situations, especially late in the game, because you're you have to turn your back to the play to to make it. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's it's interesting because we talked about Jalen Brown and his, you know, uptick in usage and percentages with Pascal Siakam's uptick in usage. He's taking seven threes a game versus four last year. His three-point percentage is up actually from 37-38, so pretty close, but his field goal percentage is down a little bit. Wait, I'm looking at the wrong one. Sorry, I'm looking at Tatum's stats. Um, no, his, his field goal percentage is down from 54% last year to 46 So the usage has hurt his efficiency, but it's still, you know, solidly efficient. His three-point percentage stayed exactly the same, actually, 36 37 um, So the usage hurt him a little bit, but he has still proven uh, to be able to just get buckets and, and do really positive things on the floor. He also affects the games in a lot of different ways. I think you have to go Tatum, though, Duff, and I kind of agree with you. Just based off the versatility of getting to those spots and getting your shots up, it seems like Pascal is going to have to defer to the likes of Fred Van Fleet and Kyle Lowry in the playoffs to really set him up. Whereas Tatum now with those mouths being gone um, has to assume that role. I think in the past with Tatum and the Celtics, there was too many people when he looked around the bench or looked around the court who he knew would take those shots and he allowed them to, right? So Kyrie was one of those guys. Marcus Morris was one of those guys. Even Marcus J- Smart was even one of yeah, those guys. Literally, I was just about to say, even Marcus Smart yeah. and Jalen Brown have like that unconsciousness to them and their shooting where Tatum was like, all right, these guys are ready to take the shot. Let them take it. But now those people are mostly gone or just less people, less mouths, right? So Tatum has to be that guy. I think that's going to be a really good thing for him. 
Um, just to be contrarian at this point, I'm going to take. Well, like I said, you either one. You go. Yeah, I mean, one. it's listen. It's not like a hundred percent in way, no, but I'm yeah for devil's advocate. Yeah, for devil's advocacy, I'll, I'll take Spicy P and argue some of his stuff. Um, from a positive point of view, but um, my first point's just going to be as a friend of Pete for a long time. Pete's had a lot of great nicknames for someone's name who starts with a P. Um, Petey Peppers, <laughs> Petey Poops a lot, Petey Pantalones, <laughs> all these great nicknames. And I'm just kind of upset we never thought of Spicy P. That would have been a great nickname for Pete. Uh, he I blame is, him for not eating more sausage and peppers. Yeah, hey, if hey, you, you ate more sausage and peppers, spicy, you know, spicy style, you probably would have garnered Spicy P at some point during college, but that's okay. Um, that's like a vanity reason. That's a great reason to pick him still, though. Love spicy cake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I knew that drop would come in handy at some point. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, don't, don't forget about uh, uh Petey, Petey Parmesan, Petey Pickles. They, the names, <laughs> the, the names go on and on. Hey, the list goes deep. The list rolls very deep. <laughs> We're forgetting but, more than there even are at this point. Yeah, I'll, I'll forget more than I ever know. You know, but <laughs> that's good. Uh, from a basketball standpoint, what? really intrigues me about spicy p is he really is um even though there are guys who are the same size as him and you know just as athletic he really is like a unique combination of the two of size and athletic ability um and i think it gives him a higher ceiling defensively and as a more complete player i think you guys are kind of spot on uh jason tatum's way more polished and probably will end up projecting to be the better offensive player as careers progress but i think spicy p possesses you know potentially like first team defense in him which i do not see at all for jason tatum so for that reason alone i want to stick with spicy p um and i think he's you know easier to market so my franchise might sell more tickets than your guys right Mm -hmm. off the bat tatum's pretty quiet i mean he definitely has like his fan base for sure and like young kids probably appreciate him a lot but like you said, Spicy P, man, right there That's in the name. Spicy P, he's like, he started playing basketball like a year and a half ago. <laughs> um, he's he's only from been the Cameroon and like the rest of his family is like giant people. We love stuff like that. Like, That's the only thing we heard about Stephen Adams for like seven years. <laughs> yeah, he's like the shortest person in his family. He's got, yeah, um, so. Stephen Adams has uh, 22 Siakam, brothers Siakam's and sisters. Only- <laughs> only been the year one year longer in in the league one year longer than Tatum because he was he's I think he spent three years at uh New Mexico, I guarantee New Mexico you that State. Pascal Siakam has played basketball for not as long as you oh Siakam. yeah no that's definitely true that's so definitely true. and the, the other thing when I saw I saw them both at all-star and and like NBA arms is like a thing like people say like when you're looking at um high school players like wingspan baby NBA yep. arms like he has NBA arms his arms go down to his knees like that type <laughs> of person Tatum definitely has that like it's so obvious when you watch him play and he makes those like he cuts from the wing and he slashes in and he's going like across the lane and he makes those big swooping layups on the opposite side of the glass like you really mm-hmm. see his wingspan in action and but Siakam is like it, they're listed as within like two inches or of each other but it felt like it felt like Siakam had like four to six inches on. Like he just looks, or maybe it was just because I was expecting him to be like six seven, and really mm-hmm. he's like almost seven foot. Like to your point about the defense, Frank, it's it's not, um, 
it's it's not irrelevant. Like it's it's a very important thing to take into in, to take into account. For sure. Yeah, very good stuff. All right, well, that's a good conversation right there. And the Celtics and Raptors now in, in this lo- uh, final stretch of the season are jockeying for that number two seed. The Rockets have a slight edge right now. Tough loss for the Celtics to the Lakers on Sunday. Um, but two teams we will be seeing a lot more of and talking a lot more about as the playoffs approach and we get there. Um, let's move on to the next one. And back to me here. And this is a, a very strong, very strong brag. Not even humble at all. But I was the only one on this preseason about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I locked in the over and basically said how this team is a real basketball team with depth, talent, the ability to score, and I did not expect Chris Paul to be this good, but I love Shea Gildas-Alexander, obviously. Danilo Gallinari, I think, is underrated at this point. Really, really, really good basketball player, and they're able to play a real system of basketball, not just whatever Russell Westbrook does, right? So I locked in the over. Um, I believe Frank not to call you out, but totally to call you out. You, just to spite me and how strong I came out on the over, you locked the under. So, See, sorry yeah, about gonna, that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protest that right now. I think I I think I think spited Duff and the Suns. I think that was my spite lock. So, But you might wait, be right. I thought I had the Suns under, didn't I? No? Did I, did I, not? I will did check. I just keep right. saying over? No, I said under. You uh, did. Okay, wait, so did, then, no, you might be right. It might have been spite. Just to spite you, bad look for me. Now, granted, I believe both of you uh, took the under because you assumed Chris Paul Baby was traded sellers. and yeah. Danilo was traded and Steven Adams is traded. and But they were doing so good. They already hit their over for the season that they ended up not making a move. Danilo yeah, Gallinari even got... Even if they were traded, like they still would have hit it. <laughs> yeah, they hit it by the All-Star break. They had thir- over 32 wins. Um, so very impressive season by the Thunder. I think Chris Paul deserves all the praise in the world because... He's been getting a load of crap, mostly warranted for the past, like, I don't know, six years. Their, their, their playoff woes in L.A. when the Clippers couldn't get to a conference finals and they couldn't beat teams that they were seemingly better than. They just couldn't figure it out. Then the Rockets thing, he gets hurt. He's going to break down. You know, can he play with Harden? Turned out he could. They were really, really good. So Chris Paul deserves some love. Him getting back to the All-Star game I thought was really, really awesome. And uh, to see him and the end of that All-Star game like seemingly one of the best 10 players in the league right now in the world right now because he was closing out that game and you could say oh LeBron just wanted his buddy out there but you watch that game and he 100% belonged this team can close this team has a really weird style with multiple guards they're really fun to watch honestly I might have watched them more than any other non-Knicks team in the league this year and I'm I'm really enjoying the Thunder so shout out to them that's it damn you still watch the Knicks more than the Thunder this year (sighs) (laughs) no but uh, Chris Paul I think he's been actually the best player in the NBA in clutch moments which is either like the last two minutes or the last five minutes do you guys know I think crunch is it crunch Crunch time time. crunch time is last five minutes or sorry last 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 five minutes within 10 points okay yeah he's been actually the best player in the NBA in terms of like just overall production whether it's you know Scoring field goal percentage, three point percentage. And speaking uh, about mid rangers that you were talking about before with Tatum, I mean Chris Paul is the the poster boy for if you can get uh, that shot right. and be efficient with it, take it. And he hits that yeah. elbow shot as good as anybody in the league right now. And it's it, those short jumpers like deep in the or like sh- like very shot like right in front of the foul line. He is so lethal. Yeah, and there we always we obviously we talk about you know efficient shots. What are the best shots to take? When it comes down to it, the shots that go in are the best shots, right? So no one should be saying that mid-rangers are just terrible. 
they're just typically bad when they're long twos early in the clock and whatever. But when Chris Paul gets an open look from the foul line, it's a really efficient shot for him and for other people who utilize it as well. So yeah, good for him. And also Duff, can you ask me again about the Knicks question and if I'm still watching them a lot? Are you still watching them a lot? And I said, no, you know, like a liar. (laughs) I knew that drop was going to come in handy at some point and I missed my opportunity. So I had to make you circle back on it. (laughs) Yeah. We need to rewind the cloud. It's a live rewind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) I definitely took the under on the Thunder just because I thought that they were going to just trade those guys away. Like, I I like the team. I like, like you said, the depth and the veterans mixed with talented young guys. It uh, it was a miss. It was a miss by me. I thought that I, I I felt the same way about the Raptors. That Masai was like itching to to make trades and rebuild. And I think the team was just so good. He didn't have. There, there we was just didn't no know by mid season that he'd be itching for the Knicks uh, GM position or president. You know, a lot lot changed since preseason with uh, Masai. Yeah, it was very nice of him to just let it let this Raptors team ride out so that he could take the uh, the Knicks job as president and general manager. Yeah. Man, oh wait. For sure. Oh wait. <laughs> he went what? Um. Yeah. I, we mentioned it like we did mention Chris Paul not too long ago, um, and we kind of mentioned his like imagery. Chris Paul again, and I was kind of saying how it's directly linked to how we don't have to watch him on national television all the time, mm. um, which I still think is a fair point, but it's also a pretty shallow look at it. I think a lot has to do with just like his accepting of the role of um, being there to usher along younger players and specifically um, SGA, Shea Gilgis Alexander, um, which I think he's done just, you know, a really good job of obviously because. Um, yeah, because Chris Paul, really he could be game. on the ball. He could be off the ball because he's such a good shooter. Um, it's, it's, they really kind of fit well together. And I, th- people always say like, Oh, they're they're finishing with uh, finishing game with three point guards. It's like you know, Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, Shea Gilgis Alexander. It's like, all right, Chris Paul's like six foot, and Dennis Schroeder's like six four, and SGA is like six seven. So it's really like in terms of size, like I know it's we like call three them point wins. guards, but it, yeah. it 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 like point guards. If you if I just gave you the heights, you'd be like, oh yeah, one's the point guard, one's the shooting guard, one's the one's the small forward. It's like doesn't their sizes. It 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 makes sense. Like oh, this three guard lineup, but it's. They if have a multitude of defensive options. Especially if there's SGA anywhere to era. play small in the NBA, it's, you know, you could play smaller with your front three. It's usually your front court that you have to uh, be equal to, you know, whatever, to be on the same playing field. But, like, I don't know. Even that's being called in the question now. But that's a whole They're not even really going small, though, because Schroeder has, like, an insane wingspan. So, like, even if he's guarding someone who's, like, two or three inches taller than him. Yeah, but I would say even though – Shea is six seven. He's he'd be a small three. Yeah, yeah, he is thin. He's slender, so, slender. But but yeah. So what you guys are saying um, is, in short, that size doesn't matter. Not entirely. <laughs> it's not the end all be all. I all mean, right. good to know. Good I to mean, know. I have no, a friend. Frank I have a friend who's been asking. Size matters as a couple six three dudes like it matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who's been asking if size matters. I just wanted to clarify. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a friend. Yeah, just for a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on to uh, the next one, Frank. Why don't you take? Why don't you take your humble brag for you? Uh easily. I will take my humble brag because my my downside was real bad. Um, uh, I was pretty high on the Heat preseason, and 
I've been a Jimmy apologist for a while. And another thing we definitely talked about last pod um, is how Jimmy might have just been right on this blazing trail of rightness through Chicago to Minnesota and then through Philadelphia just to end up in Miami and be right about everything. Um, so that was definitely a train I was always on. Um, since the draft two years ago, Bam Adebayo, I always thought he kind of had like a a special skill set. Um, and it's definitely come to light this year. Uh, obviously, first year All Star. Um, a lot of people arguing, um, you know, could be up there in the most improved player category. Um, I just love the way he plays the game and how he's kind of like an amoeba of a position. Like sometimes he plays the point as a center, like he brings the ball up and it's like, wait, that's the center. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I can't get enough of the heat. And that really actually as a Nick fan to say, but they're a fun team to watch. And yeah, shout out to me for, for seeing that coming, bro. Yeah. If I remember correctly, Frank, you actually cite, and no one's going to go back and listen. So I could say whatever I want right now, but, um, <laughs> I believe you cited specifically seeing him as a the first time as an NBA player in summer league, and yeah, you were like, "I watched him like, in Orlando summer league," which I also watched him in Orlando summer league, and I was like, "Yo, this guy's got like touch." It's a classic case of a, a Calipari guy who just wasn't asked to do a lot in college, just yes. be the big man, but he has all these other skills and he has touch. He could pass. He could run fast breaks. Like you called it out from the first time you saw him, and uh, shout out to you since we're since we're patting you on the back. Yeah, I, I will say, like, the, the one point I'll make about that is, like, you can't really take too much from the Orlando Summer League, right? Like, it's not thank the God they got rid of comparison. Uh, thank make. God they got rid of Orlando, man. That shit was brutal. Yeah, but there were some things that I felt like you could take away from it. And just, like, when somebody looks like they're, like, truly next, next level versus guys who are, you know, still that high level, high enough level to get invited to summer league camps like that that speaks volumes and um that's kind of what i based all that off of he just looked like totally on a different plane than the guys he was playing uh, against and with absolutely yeah you can you, you don't want to put too much stock into it but when it looks like they shouldn't play, like they shouldn't be playing it seems like they're too good for <laughs> summer league that's a good sign. That's a good sign. It looked like he was playing against high school students as a full-grown <laughs> adult i remember watching porzingis in that same exact orlando summer league like all right you know what nicks not a bad pick. I didn't hate the pick from the get-go, but you watched him in that first summer league game. You're like, all right, this guy's got some juice. We'll see what happens. Um, Duff, you have anything to add on the heat, or should we move to your next one? No, I think the the point about Calipari uh, kind of like asked him to do less, and it was really just sort of like, all right, you're going to be a big man, but you're not that big, so you got to make sure you do all the little things right. And, you know, everyone – there's a reason people go to Kentucky, right? Like if Tyler Hero he, – he came in, I think he said um, – stay in the heat train here he said uh you know he was originally committed to wisconsin then he decommitted and went to kentucky and he's like you know no no offense to wisconsin or the coach you know i love the state of wisconsin i love where i'm from i, I respect the program but if i went to wisconsin i would still be at wisconsin and that's that's what kentucky will do for you that's good point it's a good point way to, way to ta- wow. what i drag that one into the heat conversation as well there duff good job by you Thanks, guys. So why don't we, we why don't we <laughs> why don't we continue to pat you on the back and go with one of your good takes that we can do preseason style? Yeah, this one this is a small pat on the back. This was a layup that you guys botched, and then I just I just it was a lob thrown up to us, and I I was the only one who just dunked it. Um, 
the Bucks over. I was the only one who took the Bucks over. He had 57 and a half as they're over. Uh, today, as we're recording this, they just clinched a playoff spot. It's February 23rd. This is the fastest any team has ever clinched uh, a playoff spot in the NBA. So not only, guys, you were wrong. You're now mm-hmm. historically wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so congratulations, actually. They, so we're all getting pat on the back here. They might smash the over of 57 by, like, 10 to 13 games. Like, they're on pace for 70 wins, people. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's insane. So, yeah, we missed that one. I believe my reasoning behind it, and this is a preseason take exposed times two for me, is the reason I took their under is because I was heavy on the Sixers over. And I said, I think the Bucks are like a 54, 55 win team, and the Sixers are going to be, you know, leading the pace and going into the playoffs as the uh, favorite to make it to the finals. Uh, so that's a double L for your boy right there because not only did I take the Bucks under, I took it solely because I thought they'd be slightly under and the Sixers would outpace the Eastern Conference. Uh, so, yeah, double L for your boy. I think we could all also wear an L. I think this is a pretty podcast-wide. I mean, one of you guys can deny it if you want. But I think we all kind of uh, underrated Chris Middleton, even though he sort of is an underrated player already as it is. We were kind of like, you know, he's good, we but as your second really- option, you don't really know. And I know that I was kind of a Malcolm Brogdon truther. Oh, 100%. And I thought that same. that loss was going to hurt the team more than obviously it has. Um, but yeah, I think I think we should all wear that that Chris Middleton take because uh, yeah, I think we were all early adapters on Middleton too. We're like, yo, this guy's really good. Like pay attention 100%. to him. And then we didn't let ourselves continue. We were, yeah. To, we, yeah. we hipstered it once everybody else got on. Yes. We were like, you know what, man, you guys ruined this take for us. Exactly. But it was, uh, it was the right one. Classic yeah, NBA outsiders just being hipsters, you know? Yeah. yeah. Dude, just being Wait. contrarian about shit. Sheesh. We gotta work on that. <laughs> too much coward. definitely for me it's it's, it's bad um all right one more for me and frank there's a combined bad take exposed for me and frank we were both over on the atlanta hawks and we both cited that you know we don't think they're going to be like world beaters right now or they're going to be uh playoff locks but we really expected this really big jump in respectability we thought that they you know added the wing depth with the young guys and that trey and john collins would really really uh, take off, which in a way Trey has taken off and John Collins has proved his worth, but it hasn't led to wins yet. Um, their over under was 34 and like, you know, they can get close. They can get close to it. But I think Frank and I were just a little too bullish. Actually, they can't get close to it. What the hell am I saying? They're 17 yeah, and 41 right now. Um, they're 32 games back from the bucks, which obviously the bucks are the bucks, but uh, we were a little bullish and a little hopeful and I should have stick to my guns on like, you know, young people, for as good as they can be in the NBA, often just don't lead to wins. And this roster is so young, and for as, exp- no pun intended, Trey Young, uh, as explosive as he could be and their offense can look sometimes, it's just not ready. They need more wing talent. They need a big man. We'll see what Capella could do for them. But they are strides away from where we thought they could get to this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, I will throw a little caveat in there, you know, since I'm a six foot three point guard, <laughs> I was working out over the summer with some guys. I knew John Collins personally. I knew that he was juicing up. I didn't know that he would get caught. And I really thought that that you would help what? the Hawks this year, to be honest. 
Yeah, when you <laughs> when you and JC were doing, you know, getting it up and down, you know, getting some runs in with Chris Brinkley up in uh, in Manhattan and wherever the hell that place is. Uh, <laughs> you saw you walked in on him in the bathroom that one time. And that was yeah, dude. It wasn't even like a needle. You know, it was fucking weird. But neither here nor there. <laughs> no, that was just bad. I'm just all in on my guy, MVP Trey. But I think that one video that kind of made its rounds on the internet of him like singing that weekend song, making those weird faces and shit, like I might be selling on the MVP. But <laughs> offensively, offensively, he's the MVP. But defensively, he's like one of the worst players he's, in the league. Yeah, and they're the third worst defense in the NBA. So he's the MWP on defense, the most worst player. Yeah, the yeah. most worst. So it's it's like actually bad. Like I, I hate to like pick on that one part of his game, but you have to because people try to say the Steph Curry thing. Steph Curry's not that bad on defense. Like he's a good team he defender. He's still team defense. Yeah. yeah, he's also a little bit bigger than Trey Young. Like Trey Young is just get out there getting worked on defense, getting straight cooked. Yeah, boy needs to grow up. Yeah, <laughs> it's, t- it's time. It's time to move on from the Hawks because they just don't have that much to give. I actually think we hit all the ones we. Oh, I have one more for myself. One more preseason take exposed. This is a sad one, and I saved it for the end. I actually was gonna probably just cut it off, but since we have a minute here, why not throw it in there? Uh, this one's just really sad because this team is like an absolute wreck. They have 19 wins right now. My voice just cracked, and Blake Griffin <laughs> has played like what? 10 games this year? Like 12, yeah. Is that not, it? I'm going to double check that right now. But the Detroit Pistons, I locked in the over based off of my respect of Blake Griffin and what he did last year and how, honestly, he was really, really great last year. I, I can't stress it enough. I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but I was so impressed at how he changed his game and became this like true point forward who can take step back threes, can run the offense, can score in so many different ways. Now he's played 18 games this year. He's averaging 15 points. He looks terrible. I think they're going to shut him down for the year. They trade Andre Drummond. Luke Kennard has been their second best player this year, and now he's hurt. Derrick Rose is legitimately the best player on this team by a long shot. The only positive they have going for them is Christian Wood. And that's no joke. Christian Wood's been, like, decent for them, but they are a wreck. Dwayne Casey is just watching the Raptors, like, (laughs) just fly to the playoffs, and he must... Be a little sad right now because the Pistons are abysmal. Yeah, that's a life comes at you fast. Yo, here we go. Quick life comes at you fast, bro. Memorial Life comes at you fast. Yeah, here we go. A little quick one off the hip. Shout out Petey for for pointing it out. But Dwayne Casey went from going to the playoffs every year, and the blame was solely put pretty much on his two superstars, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, for why they couldn't get it done. He's the man who leaves, also DeRozan, but whatever. Uh, And they win the championship. And not only that, he's stuck in Detroit. Arguably the second worst franchise over the last 10 years in the Eastern Conference right next to the Knicks. Yeah. Dude, it's bad. It's bad. That's a life comes at you fast. Big time right there. That is really rough. It's God, man. I was, and I remember you guys both calling me out too. That's why this one hurts. I was like, yeah, I'm locking the Pistons <laughs> over. And you guys were like, hold on, what? That's a spite lock right there from you. Yeah, I mean, you guys were so like, oh, my God. Uh, it hurts to even think about. I was so high on Blake Griffin. I'm so sad. I hope he gets better. 
Yeah, speak. I have another. And since we're wrapping up here, I have another. Uh, Draymond Green Memorial left comes a fast word. Uh, um, goes to Bradley Beal. He scored fifty three points tonight and a loss. Uh, to the uh, Chicago Bulls and, and Kobe White. I think he scored thirty three. Was it? Yes, thirty yeah, three. Well, players ever like realize that? I guess not, because like they. You know, you look at Anthony Davis and he got out of the contract, but it's just like sometimes they they sign these max extensions and it's just like that's going to age so badly for you. Like even even with the shortening of contracts in the new CBA where you, like the max deal you can get is five. So you don't end up like a Gilbert Arena situation. Yeah. The the like he signs that extension. You're just like, that's going to go badly. Like Anthony Davis signs the extension in New Orleans. You're like, that's going to suck. Uh, it's, it's, it's not even like wasted money contract. on a player. Like, it's like wasted time for the player's time. career. Yeah. Yes. There's, yes. Two way, there's two ways a contract can be bad, and nobody ever looks at it that way, Duff. I feel that's a good point. Yeah. I But then, again, like, I don't I don't know how bad I feel for him just because, like, everyone saw what that was. He probably even saw what that was going to be, and he still just took the money, which, you know. That that's situation. That's exactly way. what Melo did in 2013 with the Knicks. Instead of going to Chicago, took the extra money, stayed with the Knicks, and watched the train crash from then, the front fucking seat. And then no, he, no, no. he, he himself out of there. Took a <laughs> yeah. Took a oh, man. Well, I have a couple things now to go over uh, just because as we went through those over-unders uh, in the summertime, or not summertime, whatever it was, October, uh, right before the season started where we discussed every single team in both conferences, there were a couple teams where we each had the same pick, right? So I want to go through the teams that we were in lockstep on, that we all had the same pick. Some of these teams we discussed, some of these teams we did not yet. Some of these will be good for us, and some of these will be very bad. So I'll start in the Eastern Conference, and um, Chicago Bulls, we all picked the over at 33 and a half. I don't think it was one we had very strong takes on. Uh, it's going to be tight, but we all picked the over. They're at 20 and 38 right now. They're 10th in the Eastern Conference. I think we're we're close. I think we didn't talk about them very much, and that's fair because they're just not. There's not that much to offer there. We all just kind of like the direction they're going in. The Jim Boylan stuff is still tough, but we all went over on the Bulls. It's going to be. Oh, right. I don't know if speaking of the Bulls, I don't know if anyone knows about this. Like. I heard it on the low post. He did a podcast with Zach Levine and they were talking about like the time clock. And it's like, huh? It's like, yeah, the time clock, the punch cards. It's like, what? Yeah. When players show up for practice in Chicago, they punch in and out like at oh a factory. Like, they have time cards that they punch in and out. And I have a picture of it. Actually, yeah, there uh, is proof. We've seen the proof. Yeah, this it, is, this it was is like, a... I, I, I forgot that existed, and then I walked past it, so a guy was giving me a tour of the facility, and I was like, oh my god, like, this is, I forgot this was a real thing, like, this is so That's ridiculous, crazy. and I'm like, I gotta take a picture of this now, because next year it's not gonna be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this, this drop goes specifically out to Jim Boylan. Oh! Somebody, oh! He needs some milk! Oh my God, poor, <laughs> poor guy. definitely needs some milk. Zach Levine got caught with a, a lip, bad lip reading. It was actually a good lip reading because we could tell oh, exactly yeah. what he was saying the other day. But that, He said, why the fuck are we calling a timeout down by 10 right now? Like, he was so mad about it. But Jim Boylan, bro, he's got something coming to him. Uh, we, that was That's something Jim Boylan has done a bunch of times now, too. That's yeah. like the Jim Boylan signature. Your team's down 
by way too much to come back with like less than a minute and a half left. You know what we need to do? <laughs> regroup. <Time. laughs> yeah, regroup. Let's regroup and discuss how we're going to take this L specifically. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Well, let's, let me, let me, let me run through these here. Stop me. If you have any comments, uh, we all took the under on the Charlotte Hornets. We are all going to be wrong on that. I assume. Cause they're 20 uh, wins right now. They're over under was 23 and a half. So if they win four out of the next, like, 28 games, wherever they have left, like they're going to go over, but they won't. There's still, there's a chance. There's a chance they don't strong on that one. They're I'm re- calling two wins post all-star break for the Hornets. I honestly think it's a thing I've been in my betting, uh, you know, life that I have outside of this podcast and also on this podcast, I've been trying to figure out some trends for this final stretch of the season. The Hornets have been winning games. They just frankly should not have been winning. So they have too many wins for their own good right now. They're going to crash. They may not hit 24 with 20 wins right now. Um, next team, Cleveland Cavaliers over under 24 and a half. If I remember correctly and remind me if I'm right here, guys, when we said Cleveland Cavaliers, I played the yeet sound effect, just went yeet. And we said under, and that is literally all we said about the Cavs. Is that fair? Pretty sure. Yep. Pretty sure. We haven't, we haven't spoken of them since. No, I think, I think there may have been one mention of like, why did they hire Bayline? Um, but that was the extent of the conversation. That was the whole thing. And uh, yeah. poor Kevin Love. Uh, not poor Kevin Love. Rich Kevin Love, who is just <laughs> a sad, sad man. Yeah, again, another dude took the money, f- and then the years are just, like, he's just stuck there in a bad situation. Cash and checks. Yeah, cash and checks, man. All right, uh, next one, we actually are seemingly all spot on here. We all took the over on the Miami Heat, 43 and a half. Shout out to us. Uh, yeah. This one is a, a big L for us, probably, since it's going to be close. I think they still could hit it. The Philadelphia 76ers, 54 and a half. They have a, a chance to still hit that for sure. Um, but we all took the over there. Uh, Fra- Frank locked in the over there. And just based Yeesh. off their general disappointment, even if they still hit that over, I'm still going to chalk it up as an L because we all assume they'd, they'd be rolling through this regular season. Uh, the Washington- they would have to win all those games that I mentioned were against under 500 teams. So, like... They had 20 left in the season. They already played the Nets, so they have 19 left. They need to win all of those plus one more to hit that. So that doesn't seem like it's uh feel like they should have just won that one game on the road back in Orlando mm. whenever you you know, whenever we were on the pod that long time they, ago. Or the one in Denver where they only scored like 15 points in the fourth quarter. Oof. I remember watching that one. Ugh, that was yeah. It's just it's, yeah. right, that's why going. we'll chalk our, our ourselves up for an L there. Um, last one is for the Eastern Conference is the Wizards. We all said under 27 and a half. They've been more respectable than we assumed. Um, their offense puts up points, but they also hemorrhage points on defense. They give up 120 points per game to opponents. It's insane. Oof. But they do have that's 20 wins. Crazy. They do have 20 wins. Bradley Beal is putting in buckets. So, I don't know. That one's kind of a, a no-win, no-loss situation. Under is still possible, but who cares? who cares? It's the Wizards. It feels like an under. Yeah. So, on to the Western Conference. We all hit over on the Nuggets, and that's looking pretty good. 52 and a half. Shout out to us. I actually locked in the over on them, and Jokic is back to his Jokic self, his big bag of milk self, and uh, <laughs> they're starting to roll. We all said over on the Houston Rockets. 53 and a half. It's going to be pretty close. Um, depending on how this small ball situation goes, they're 36 and 20 right now. That's not a win or loss. I don't think, um, it feels doable. Yeah, it's doable. If they'll be either 54 or 52, like it'll be close. Exactly. So we have now the Memphis, uh, as written in our Google doc here, the Memphis ass eaters. I don't know if you guys, (laughs) I I put that in there like three years ago to try to trip (laughs) someone up. 
And it's almost <laughs> happened so many times. Yeah. So we all took the under. So we could take a huge L and they may have earned the right to get Grizzlies back in there in the Google Doc again because 26 and a half. Uh, I'll they, fix it right now. They hit yeah. it already. They hit their over already. They're 28 and 28 and, and have been just a joy to watch so far this year. Um, on to the next one. Minnesota Timberwolves, 35 and a half. We all took the under. So shout out to us and shout out to Frank specifically who did not buy into Andrew Wiggins, um, you know, resurgence that we wanted to all buy fraud. into. I called him a fraud. I called him a fraud. Yeah. Right about that. And now I he's on Memphis, by the way, the Memphis Jaws. It's accurate. <laughs> there we go. The Memphis, Memphis Jays. John Moran, <laughs> Jaron Jackson Jr. There we go. Ooh. Uh, yeah, Minnesota Timberwolves, keep walking. Figure it out next time. Good luck. Um, Phoenix Suns, we all took the under 29 and a half. They're going to be rolling right around that. They are currently at 23 wins, so, you know, who cares? Uh, Duffy, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you, though, for the Suns. Anything to say? No, I'm tired. I'm just tired of it. Yeah. I'm mentally exhausted when it comes to Phoenix Suns. Feel that. Discuss the Portland Trailblazers uh, as well. I took the big L on them because I came out very strong on their over 46 and a half, but we all took the over, friends. We all took the over, so we'll all wear that L across our face. Uh, and the last but not least, Utah Jazz over 53 mm-hmm. and a half. Come on. We all took the over on that one. And um, that, I'm not, I'm not going to say that one's a win or a loss. They're in the Rockets range. They're 36 and 20. They can definitely hit 54 wins. They can hit 51, 52. Respectable. Uh, and we still look at them as one of the better teams around town. So, yeah, that's it. That's what we got. Preseason takes exposed. That was a fun episode. We were able to call ourselves out a little bit, shout, out, shout ourselves out a little bit, and uh, had some good uh, basketball talk, no? I feel yeah, like no. I wanna, I'm interested to see how these consensus picks are going to are gonna finish up the season because it's it like they're going to be close. A lot of them are going to be really close. And that's Vegas, Dude, we baby. Could, we could have like a really good record on this, a really bad record on this, or a really mediocre record. <laughs> That's showbiz, yeah, baby. The book has not been written for sure. Um, but you know, my my, I'm gonna make my final point. No, you said that stuff yet. I'm gonna make it in a world full of you know appreciation for self-deprecation or whatever that word is. Actually, um, we just nailed this episode, bro. Hell yeah! That's what I'm laugh talking at yourself. about. Right? Who can you laugh at? Bro? I love that. It's a good point. You know what? And we, we're coming out here as NBA outsiders. We're not insiders. And we're probably getting just as much stuff right as all the insiders, if not more, because we're doing a good job. We're doing a good job. Uh, I'll tell you what. Last year, I definitely got more. Yeah, you did really good last year. I think your record was like <laughs> seven games above 500 or something last year, seven yeah. wins above 500. Book's still out this year, all I gotta say. We shall see. We shall see. All right, <laughs> friends. Sports Blog New York Podcast, NBA Outsiders Edition. John Lucas Duffy, Frank Villani, and myself, Pete Kennedy. Hit us up on Twitter at SportBlog NYC at my personal at Pete Kennedy with two Ys. Uh, but any last words from the boys themselves? That's that's the duff. I hit mine. Hit mine hard. Uh nah. No, no, I have no uh hard hitting last words this week. All right. Well, respect it. That's fine. I have uh, some last words, and it's just some programming notes. Going to be doing a New York heavy episode this week at some point. Either uh, probably come out on Thursday. I'm shooting for. Going to be hitting up some baseball talk, some Mets and some Yankees. Uh, Spring training is officially commenced, and also we'll throw in some Knicks. We'll make it a full New York episode. Talk Knicks, talk Mets, talk Yankees. Start to get ready for that baseball season. Frank, you don't want to throw me a, a hot Mets take off the jump right here. Pete Alonzo, 50 bombs again. Ooh. 
Jacob DeGrom, first pitcher in a little while to win the back-to-back-to-back Cy Youngs. Oh, wow. We're going to the playoffs. With a losing record. (laughs) We're going to the playoffs, baby. Yes. Smoking hot. Also, you mentioned New York a few times in that little tidbit, and I just wanted to say, you're... Hell yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. All right, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, last word, another last word on the Mets for me. Quick over-under. Over-under, let's say for the sake of the NBA, over-under 82 games played for Yoannis Cespedes. What do you guys think? Under, fuck that guy. <laughs> Strong takes on the Mets here only. <laughs> no take I'll from def- Duff. I, no take. I have no take. I'm saying push. He's going to play 82 games on the dot. I'm going over 82 uh, darts he'll rip in the dugout. <laughs> well, if he plays like if he plays like 40 games, you got to assume he rips two darts a game in the dugout in the clubhouse. Sure. So that's at over least one per cigarettes. at bat, bro. <laughs> over under 100 cigarettes per game for you and <laughs> All right, yo, Sports Blog New York podcast. It's been fun as always. Thanks to Duff and thanks to Frank, but thanks to you, the listener. As always, go on to iTunes, Apple Podcast app, drop those stars, drop a rating and review, uh, and don't forget to turn on your notifications. And we'll see you later in the week. Have a good one.